Hunter, we're hijacking your your space here, man. I, I invited Hunter to speak, and he he refused. I don't know why. Uh, he's, not, he's like he's not following a rap act. <laughs> this is the sound check. I think the sound check is actually a good portion because usually there's at least one AV. There's at least one AV disaster, so it's better just to do it at the beginning. You know, when we're talking about rap. I was once planning to make a rap music video, but I I never. I just feel it. like you you've got the kind and like just I don't want to dox you too much, but it's like, uh, or Bitcoin here is kind of like a. Um, I mean, I say this with love. I say this with love. First of all, it's like you're kind of like a '80s movie bully. Look, <laughs> kind of got that going. Wow! Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's a compliment. I, I That's can see it. Compliment. I can see it. <laughs> He's like, shut up, nerd. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, he's, and so, but I feel like uh, you're the kind of guy where if you busted out in like Porky's Six or whatever, pork, you know, like if you were in Porky's Six and like there was some sort of talent show, do you know what I mean? Like, there'd be a talent show, <laughs> and then it's like the the white bully who's been bullying all the nerds is in the talent show. That, oh, we got this guy. There's no way that this white boy's funky. And then here comes Ur, Ur Bitcoin. You know what I mean? And just blows your socks off. He's like, top that. <laughs> Man. Top that. Uh, I, I can tell you some stories, but this is probably being recorded for all time. So. <laughs> it is actually being at recorded. The next, at the next blimp down <laughs> meeting, I'll tell you what. Yeah. Everyone on X knows that I, I said that her Bitcoin was one funky white boy. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about Urban. Let's talk about let's talk about Noxike's Lassel, the man, the myth, the legend, who I have on the line here. Um, so, the way we structure these things, for the most part, uh, Noxike's, uh, is that we just kind of start with you know what drew you into Urban in the first place. You know, I know you were you know for what took you from being inline skating uh, a repeat forum enjoyer to uh to being an urban developer like what what brought you in and just sort of bring us up to to now like what's the what's the knock back last origin story sure you know i've always been uh interested in programming you know i came up through that in school even though like i didn't start that way you know i've always just been interested in like functional programming and like but not like to like i didn't like get deep into haskell and stuff like i you know played with it and thought it was cool and there's some good ideas there but like I feel like if you take it too far, like, you know, you also run into lots of crazy stuff that you don't want to be in. <laughs> so it's like, um, there's a balance, right? It's so, yeah. Uh, so Urbit hit on a lot of those things uh, for me. And like, I was also just getting into like the whole peer to peer situation, like from both a political and technical perspective, like, I think it's more interesting, you know, more powerful it's obviously harder, which we can talk about. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, so anyway, all those concepts, like I use Twitter, like I like deeply dove into it for work just because like there were so many developers on Twitter, start following them. But then like I'm also like a huge conspiracy person and like I've like dialed it down because like it's it can take over your life and be really bad for you. But um, like I'm still like deeply like tuned into that stuff. So I follow mm-hmm. a lot of weird people. And some, you know, cross between those two types of people got a lot of urban content <laughs> on my feed, right? Yeah. And I <laughs> kept seeing this thing and I was like, man, what the hell is, like, it looks so weird. 
I don't know what it is, but people keep freaking posting about it. So I, yeah. I would go to the urbit.org homepage and bounce off. Cause like, I was like, man, this is so, this is so strange. Like I had no idea where to come at it. What was the homepage when you, this is always the question. Like what, what did it, it look was like the, the waves. It was the way. Yeah. It was, that was actually a step up. I'm sure it was. Yeah. Right. <laughs> of course. So like I kept bouncing off, but eventually like, I think it was pretty much around the time that Trump got banned from Twitter. People, you know, were posting a lot more about it. And, you know, that was like such a weird moment in the zeitgeist of like humanity. I feel like that, like, yeah, yeah. it was just like, what is happening, dude? This is like nuts. Like, a you know, private company banning the fucking president of the United States is just wild. Like, regardless yeah. of where you stand on the political spectrum of, you know, Trump and all that baggage. But, like, it's just really weird. So I was like, man, like, I got to dig into this thing more. And, like, I, like, went straight, you know, read everything, like, the whole way through, you know, from the beginning of page. And, like, then I went through the podcasts and heard, like, Ted talk about a bunch of stuff and like, you know, it all just like clicked. It was like the, the amalgamation of ideas was so strong to me. I still feel like the like penultimate urbit form is the amalgamation of those ideas. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I think a lot of the ecosystem maybe ignores or doesn't talk about, or I don't know, but like, I feel like also the individual parts of urbit are powerful in themselves and like, like don't what? get utilized. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the identity for one, like just the fact that like there exists out there this like very well-known identity space that, you know, is like has cryptographic, you know, integrity and is like public, you know, globally on the blockchain. Um, it's got a very powerful like aesthetic with, you know, the sigils and the names. And like if you couple that with like something like AIMS, or, or um, maybe, you know, the new directed messaging, however that ends up working, like you could just use those two things, ignore everything else about Urbit and still have something powerful. Like the fact that yeah, you're tying yeah. identity to networking and cryptography, like I think is maybe, you know, that's like one little pocket, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because we've talked about that. It's sort of an idea that's been bounced around is like you could make a strictly peer-to-peer -peer just chat app mm -hmm. um with just that, like with right? normie um, technology you use urban identities and the networking that gets you somewhere and you didn't even accept all of the other things right that we tend to accept as a whole yeah it's, it's interesting i was having this discussion with um one of the plunder guys and um with ben summers i don't know if you know him. i've, I've heard his like, name i've never met him though yeah, he's a, he's a great guy. I was in, he was I met him in New York recently, and you know it's interesting to think about like there's the I, the question of like how much if Urban is like one idea or is a whole bunch of ideas. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like it comes up a lot, and that's kind of what I think. Uh, I don't know, if Josh from Keynote is on here. It's like it's kind of the Keynote thing yep, as well, right? Exactly. It's like how much of this stuff can you take piecemeal, and how much needs to be all together. And I think it's like a it's like a legit question, right? Because it's not like super obvious that it's it's almost like you got to go really deep down the rabbit hole to the arguments for why they're they're the same or why they need to be together. And if they're not just like, oh, the man who shall not be named who architected this thing just didn't think they were all cool. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's like right. a really interesting problem. Like 
did he just like them all and threw them all together <laughs> or are they internally, you know, coherent? And like, I tend to be my, my personal take on that is like, the more you think about it, the more you kind of like realize that there are parts that need to be together, for example. Mm-hmm. But like, certainly what you're talking about, I think you're right. Like the identity system, Azimuth, the PKI could be used for other purposes besides being used in urban apps. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, I mean, Keynote, as far as I can tell, like, you know, they took the node idea and like the identity, but they, you know, used their own and like just use standard out there, techno- you know, technology. Yeah. yeah. And because they don't think that like the, the mud ball thing is like a really, a real problem. Right. I mean, that's kind of the thing. It's like, if you think that like the simplicity is actually a user benefit that if you don't think that, and you think all this other stuff is, is fine, you know, then you end up with something like keynote and it's kind of like, that's just like almost a different of difference of values or something. You know, it's not like a refutation. It's kind of like a different way of achieving the same thing in some ways. Yes, I think so. I guess I would also argue that like, I think they, I don't know, I'm speaking for them, obviously. And uh, if one of you is here, you know, I'd welcome any feedback. But like, I would say they, they might also argue that like, what we're creating may be starting to be a mud ball itself. And yeah, you know, yeah, it's like, a different mud ball, but it's still a mud ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, you know, some days I feel that more than others, but like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least we're, we're trying. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a really good point. Yeah. It's like maybe the mud ball is like, it's a function of something else, right? And it's like a function of just computers in general, and you can't really escape it. So just sink into the mud, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Okay, so so in terms of the actual um, the way you got involved, I seem oh, to remember yeah. that you were like a pretty you were involved in like user space development as a contributor, right? And then you got hired on the salon. Like, what so was, what was that? Like? What happened was so yeah, dove straight in. I was like, okay, I'm all in. Like, let's go. So I did the thing that like I feel like everybody does when they first get onto Urban is like, oh, I gotta start a hosting platform because like this thing is gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's about to pop right? Off. Yeah, exactly. So I started that, like I started building one and then I immediately was like, this is stupid. Like no one is going to like pay for this, like until they can try it. Yeah. And I, w- I was working on an Electron app oh, before yeah, this yeah, yeah. Uh, for something else, like a dev tool thing. And I was like, man, what if you could run Urbit just bundled in an Electron app, you know, that would be really nice because then they could just download this piece of software, click a button, and, like, they're on Urbit, right? Because at that point, nobody's hosting platform worked at all. Yeah. And so I, you know, tried to do this, and it actually worked. And I was like, holy crap. Um, This was back when Urbit community had a design channel, and you could, like, just talk to Galen directly in there, and add and get yeah. like feedback immediately. It was crazy. Like, I mean, you still can do that actually probably, you know, through some of the other Talon channels, but like, I don't know, it felt very direct. And so I would like show them screenshots. So they're like, Oh, this looks good or, you know, whatever. And like, eventually I just talked to Josh and he was like, you should do this for a grant and like, you know, actually finish the thing. And so that's what I did. And immediately after finishing, Josh was like, Talon would like to hire you because like they need someone like you, you know, to do, you know, like really polished, like front end stuff, basically at the time, like they had people, you know, doing that. And, but like, not, I don't know if anybody had like the same amount of experience that I did, you know, like building front ends and stuff. So yeah, that's how I made it, made it in. 
So what were you doing? So you were you were a front end developer focusing mostly on kind of like yeah. What were you doing before that? Then mostly like electron um, stuff, front end. Yeah. So like I went pretty straight into web after college because that was like it was kind of like up and coming. I got my first developer job as like building websites for an ad agency that did like marketing and other things, and you know I just went straight into that. And then after that, I worked for like this big international jewelry manufacturer that basically runs like Amazon for jewelers. And, you know, I got, you know, so I went from being a solo developer doing websites to like, you know, a cog in the machine of like a 20 person dev team that had like very serious, you know, like microservices and all these kinds of things they were trying to do. Yeah. And that was like really eye opening uh, just to see like just the sheer amount of stuff that they had to do, you know, and that companies today have to do to get things at like scale and even just intercommunication between developers at that level is, you know, it's different. Yeah. It becomes unwieldy very quick. I mean, it's funny. You're like, I, I wonder about that sometimes. Like, like, is that necessary or is that just like over-engineering on the part of the company? You know? Oh yeah. Like, I mean, when, whenever I see that huge dev team doing like, you know, one thing, like, is that really, is that really all necessary? There's definitely, yeah. Uh, there's like a lot of over-engineering for sure. And you can see like, DHH on Twitter, you know, starting this once company where like you just grab this piece of software and run it yourself for your company. And like it probably scales to like pretty large numbers and it's just going to be like one service running on a box. Yeah, I don't know. Like a lot of these companies that think they need like Amazon scale stuff really don't. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting you brought that up because I, I actually was thinking, I've been following that project a little bit. Can you explain to people kind of what it is? And like, I'd be interested to know what your thought on it because it, it seems very resonant with Urbit stuff. Yeah, I mean, like, I've just been seeing tweets. I have not like played with the product at all. But like, from what I can tell, you know, it's this product that they've, I think, had in the past that they've maybe brought, you know, somewhat into the future based off of some recent technology they developed with their Hey email platform so the front end is like very it's like not react at all it's like everything's html the server sends html time is a right yeah exactly so it's like going back to those ideas but like doing them in a way that's more interactive in the attempts that like it's more robust reliable etc and and it seems like one of their things is interesting is kind of like the idea that we go back to the system of you buy a piece of software and you run yeah it, right so that's right? their core like proposal for the you know business wise here they've made this piece of software that doesn't require very much maintenance at all at least it seems like that's from their marketing I don't know but that you could run on a six dollar a month digital ocean box and it can scale to like you know a decent amount of people like maybe this is not good for you know your multi-international company, right? But like, there's so many companies that yeah. are below that where Slack is still like a pretty hefty price for what they're really getting out of it. Yeah. And that they can just run, right? And that's powerful. Like, and it's the same, like, I definitely view it like you view it. Like, Talon, you know, if we were inclined to do so, we could try to like do something like that. I don't think we want to, but like, you know, or somebody else that's on Urbit, like if they wanted to make a chat app, I think if Pyro... For those who don't know, Pyro is like the successor to Aqua, which was this thing that could run virtual Urbit ships inside of one ship. If you had that, you could ostensibly like ship a single Urbit runtime over to somebody and installed on that thing is, you know, 
this chat app, right? And that ship could just spawn moons as users and run them, quote unquote, right? It's all virtual. And you would have like this holistic app that all you have to do to make sure it runs is like run this Urbit node, which at this point in time is actually pretty low key, right? Yeah, far easier than it's ever been. Yeah, there's definitely things to smooth over. But like, yeah, that could be like, if you just think of that from a cost perspective, like just what they're doing, basically that's their bet is like, this is enough savings that like somebody could probably hire a person just to keep up with this one thing and still save money on Slack potentially, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's interesting because I feel like the whole one of the many things that got me into Urban Adventure uh, originally was the this idea that you it was designed to be finished, mm-hmm. right? That's like the uh, behind the whole project is like we're going to try to finish the operating system, and since it has you know it has some dependencies to build it, but I, I ideally would have these very few dependencies that you could finish the operating system. And that has always been very appealing to me because it means that like you would get rid of this world wherein there's all these devs that are just kind of like, I don't know, like I said, treading water just to kind of like keep something that's still working at the very, you know, just the very basic level. And it's funny because I saw them doing that. And those are like the base camp. Yes. I think it's like the same group of people. And it's funny because I saw them doing that. I was like, dude, it just kind of validated that to me. You know, I'm like, okay, well, someone else right, yeah, value exactly. It's hard to express sometimes. <laughs> no, yeah, definitely. Like, this <laughs> is a good example. Crazy. Like, if you just map a few of the things, you know, to Urbit, like, you can see it kind of played out. And, like, I think the only thing that I would say is, like, I think a lot of people don't like that company's, like, design style and maybe some of the, like, ways that they put, you know, features together. But, like, it's cool to see at least somebody trying something like this. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, but it's funny because I, I think that this is another to go back to our discussion of like what about Urbit can be pulled apart and what needs to stay together. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like that's one of the core insights. It's like okay, you go. I made this tiny thing, and it's never going to be updated. It's like, and then the operating system changes out from under you, and Python two point seven is no longer supported. It's like, well, then you got to go change your thing. You know, it's sort of like unless you've actually finished the operating system, you can never have a once type right. product, yep. really, you know. And that's kind of like our, you know, so that's another thing where like, oh, do you have to finish it all, all the way down to the metal? And it's like, actually, you kind of do <laughs> because otherwise, you know, otherwise you're just in this thing where it's like, oh, you want to run it on Windows and you want to run it on Linux and you want to run it over here. It's like, okay, well, now you got three operating systems that are always yep. changing. So like right now um, we've pushed it to basically the runtime. Um, you know, yeah. and that will have to keep up with whatever those, you know, wherever it's running, whatever dependencies are needed there. Right. So there's like one, we, we've kind of like getting it down to one of those things that needs to be maintained. And then ideally, you know, in the future, if we can run it on metal, you know, then that's, yeah. that would be one, even one less thing. Right. Yeah. So that's, that, that's a thing that's always kind of bewitched me was the idea of, software being done you know which is i don't think has ever been tried <laughs> like, like some of the unix utilities are kind of the closest that that exist to like finished software as far as i'm concerned or as far right. as i know i think that's a great ideal and it's like unfortunately until we get there we're stuck in somewhat of a worse position at, at least right now until we do something about it every single kelvin right is a complete you know, basically breaking change. I mean, 
there's like some caveats there, but like essentially, right, all this software that everybody has built, as soon as we were like, okay, we're ready to do the next Kelvin, it's like, oh, all this is now deprecated until the dev takes some action, right? Yeah. And yeah, so yeah, like, absolutely. to me, that's a huge problem we need to fix somewhat immediately because like, it's just very um, churnful, you know, for the ecosystem. It's hard for yeah. users to, you know, run into that kind of thing. And I know like for people out there, like I know a lot has been talked about this and like core group and stuff like that. So forgive me if I'm bringing up trauma, (laughs) (laughs) but I do think it's like, it's like, you know, it's one of the probably, it's one of the biggest problems I see with Urbit right now. Yeah, actually, it's a good segue because I was going to ask you like kind of what are the big challenges you see? Because I feel like you do stuff that's kind of. I think about you as a user space developer primarily, mm-hmm. um, just in general. And so I kind of wanted to know like what, what you thought were the big challenges and stuff like that. Like, you know, just give me, give me a, an insight um, to that. That's one. I think Gaul is the part of the kernel that helps that runs apps and it's built in a very specific way. And it's very powerful in that it's very like open and you can do whatever you want. And it's, you know, as long as you follow this one structure, like, it's a Gaul app. The problem with that is like, you know, there's a reason why Ruby on Rails exists, right? Like there's this like 80%, you know, feature set that like every app is going to need that mm-hmm. you would just get a leg up if you had like a framework, you know, that you could use. Interesting. So give me an example. I, I've never used Ruby on Rails. I'm, I'm not familiar. I haven't either, yeah. but like from what, you know, like it's a, it's an app, it's a framework that gives you like, you know, you get users out of the box, you get like, you know, login and all this kind of stuff that like request response helpers and, you know, all the things that like you would need in a CRUD web app type thing, right? Yeah. Um, Which in theory we should be able to provide, right? Because I mean, that's actually one of the main benefits of Urbit ostensibly is that you have all that user management done basically by, you know, a lot of it is done by the right. Yeah. System. So in our so case, in theory, we should be able we to get the user stuff for free from the operating system, and it's like some of the more like you know how do you handle errors you know in your code today? Like you have to hand roll things basically to mm, like yeah. send an error back to the front end to say like hey this actually didn't work you know try something else or whatever. Yeah. So like if you had just a. Uh, if you had like boilerplate or something, I mean, like that's the simplest way to think about it, right? Like that gave you a starter app or those things that you needed. So people aren't just like having to do it from scratch. Right. Yeah. That would, so that'd be like a huge, you know, leg up. There's two things. Uh, one of which is like, you know, if I'm an app developer and I want to bring people, I have to face the wall of how do I get you onto Urbit? Right. Like that's, yeah, still yeah. a problem today. Like, you know, Red Horizon has made this fleets thing, which is like, you know, targeting devs to like help them, you know, onboard people. But it's not exactly like, you know, it's like static sets and of, you know, ships and like, it's not like on demand per se. And then like, you know, Talon yeah. has done, you know, a bunch to get people onto our app. And like, so some of those rails maybe could be modified to like, for devs or something to like help get people on, you know, that's a big problem. If I'm like a dev coming from somewhere else and like, I want to 
you know, have Urbit work for me, it's too much to bring in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's an interesting, I mean, I feel like that's kind of like, you're right. It's kind of like the eternal problem. It's just, and, and I, the, the most kind of highfalutin way to say it is just the circulation of people between Urbit and like the clear yes. web, right? And how do they might, how do they move between these things? Because like, as we've seen, if everyone has to kind of like jump, you know, just basically make a leap of faith, for like for right. better term, you know, that's very difficult to do. And every, and this is one of the main benefits of the open internet is that like, I can just put a URL from one place of the internet to the other and they can go through my login flow and all that. Right. I mean, which is underappreciated about the existing internet is that it's got that built-in network effect yeah. just at the level of the internet. And so we, we, I mean, and I, I don't think this is a technical, honestly, I don't think there's like a technical problem now because there's like all these different things. There's like the, um, EOF thing, which is sort of like a way for people who are unauthenticated to interact with urbits. Mm -hmm. There's easier, like, you know, log it, like Tlon's done all kinds of good stuff for people getting on ships, et cetera. But it's kind of like the whole, that, that flow hasn't been kind of thought through. It's almost like a design problem, which is, I mean, but it's kind of, it is the design problem because otherwise, like you said, it's very hard. You're just starting from scratch. You're like trying to build growth with like a huge weight on your neck. Yeah. Basically. Um, you know, one thing we've thought about recently is like, well, we've had a bunch of discussions about landscape recently internally um, that I won't bore y'all with. But like one thing that came up was like, we really need a way to share content kind of universally off of Urbit that all apps could leverage because like everybody yeah. needs this and we also need it in between apps, right? Because like, it's not easy to share you know, a group's message or like a rumor into groups right now. Yeah. yeah. But like it could be, and we could just leverage yeah. like URLs on the internet, like everybody else does. And, you know, maybe we do. Something. So how would you, how would you think about that? Like just at a high level, what, how would you do such a thing? Because I mean, I agree that would be amazing. Right. I mean, if I could post like something in my group out, that was a public group out to mm -hmm. Twitter and it unfurled all nicely and had like a preview and then when you clicked on it, right, like it took you through a login flow or something, right. that would be clearly be amazing, right? That would like, that would make a lot of other problems go away. So I'm just like wondering technically how you think about um, that. So I think like, you know, you, you know, like landscape or something, bind some URL path, right? That everybody can use, you know, it's like a prefix, right? And then after that comes some Ooh. path on your Urbit potentially and your app you know, can let's say like tell this agent like, hey, I'm registering, like I'm going to serve whatever content comes after this prefix. Like you just ask me about it, right? And I'll give it to you to then render some rich preview, right? For okay, like an unauthenticated yeah. experience where it's like, I want to render like a rich card on Twitter. Or like if somebody visits the page, it's just some like standard display of the content Right. You know, we have to make some kind of standard that's like, you know, you get a description, a title, an image. Right. And like, yeah, other yeah. than that, you need to like get onto Urban. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, that's that, that's great. And if it had like a baked in, like, you know, join Urbit to comment, join Urbit to see the comments exactly. or whatever. And that went through. I've, I've thought about that because Tlon, 
or anybody who's running a hosting thing, that's, they have incentive to do that, right? They have all the incentive in the world for their users to share yes. good content onto the open internet as long as it filters them back through the Tlon hosting uh, sign right. up, right? That's great. Yeah, so like, you know, again, the tricky part here is like, you know, I'm a third-party developer and I want to do the same thing. Like, now I'm kind of going to maybe rely upon, you know, Talon, Red Horizon, whoever, to like get these people onto Urbit so they can get into my app, which maybe isn't a problem. Yeah. But like, you know, it's still something that is like a barrier to entry, in my opinion. Because like, yeah, I would yeah. love to tell all these web devs out there, like, hey, you know, come on this platform, you get auth for free and all these other things. And like, you don't have to worry about scaling as much, like, until unless, you know, depending on what you're doing, but there's so much out of the box that you get. But the problem is, you know, you have to worry about running it. And so like, if there was a way, you know, to run Urbit on phones or in a browser tab or like some other like more ephemeral way, that yeah. like at least could get somebody started and then like, they could mm. transition over to something more permanent, right? I think that would be really good. I just, I think there's a lot of technical hurdles to do that. Well, yeah, like, I mean, like I said, I think a lot of these things come down to just like, someone has to just decide what that flow should be. And then the technical hurdles, like, you know, we got a whole computer at our fingertips, right? So it's like, you can build anything. It's just a matter of deciding, right? Like what, what it should be. Yeah. Um, I love, I mean, I, it's funny, the, the idea of a kind of like starter orbit or like demo mode of what we called, what we called the mm -hmm. back of the day that ran like, you know, some subset of orbit in your browser, for example, like actually this kind of goes full circle to your idea of having one that just sent like messages and an ID, right? Right. Yep. It, it's like it could be this very, very almost like ersatz urbit. Like it's not a full urbit, but it's enough for you to interact like on with in a basic way. And then you can kind of like press a button and that metamorphoses into a yep. full urbit. It's, it's funny. I don't know if you were around for this, but basically what one of the things that's interesting about how urbit used to work is that when you booted a ship, <clears throat> it actually began as a comet. Mm. And then it metamorphosed oh, wow. into a planet. And the reason was that basically the comet could join the, um, I mean, it's actually really, really dope because it, 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 the comet could join anonymously. Right. So it could join the network anonymously and then it could download all of its key information because we used to basically do it. All the key uh, PKI was through the network. Right, so there was this flow, which is an, actually a rad flow, which is you start as an anonymous thing, and then you get your keys, and then you upgrade. That's um, interesting. And that's, yeah, and so that's how it used to be. So it's kind of like, you know, maybe there's something, some way to resurrect that idea, which I think is still very good, right? I mean, you need, yeah, and this goes back to the main thing, where like you just need a flow, people to like go from, I don't know what, what Urban is, to being on the network that doesn't require them basically making a leap right. of faith yeah that was interesting too because it was like back when we were all about you know the reputational aspect it's like you have to prove you know who you are in order to like get access to the full thing which i think is essentially what you guys are talking about i also think it's interesting to think about how it would work i'm, I'm going back a little bit to what you were talking about hunter like how people would be would be filtered into urbit so if there was like baby urbit but then how do they actually get access? You know, it's like baby, yeah. like get a taste, but then 
it can't just be, I mean, like you mentioned the uh, poll deck, like obviously Talon would be incentivized, but other hosting providers would be too. Urbit itself should be open, right? So it's just like an interesting problem about like how, how would collaboration work, you know? I don't know if you get what I'm saying, but it's like uh, no, I feel it's you. not I feel owned you. by anyone, right? So obviously I'm incentivized to have people want to use Urbit host or Tuan hosting services. But overall, we should be just wanting people to experience Urbit and to see yeah. what they can do with it. And, and this is, yeah, that's actually a really, you want to get, do you want to get Space Age? Are you ready to get Space Let's Age? Let's do it. Let's do it. Is it like, this is, <laughs> this is another, uh, term that was used as the pregnant urbit right this is, actually the, this is this is the um this is a a yarvin yarvinismo a yarvinismus um term but the idea was that basically this was kind of an idea from the beginning was that one of the cool things about an urban right as you mentioned is it can virtualize another urbit within it and so you could do a thing where like i i send an invite to uh roslet and then she runs a ship but like that ship during demo mode is just a virtual ship inside yep. my ship does that make sense and then you know it can be spun out i mean there's like a lot of interesting pro like questions and problems about how you like transition out of that state but that is a thing that you can do right and it's interesting to think you know if we had all the monetary whatever incentivized stuff kicking it's like you'd have a you know if, if i somehow gained from that, right? I mean, maybe not even just socially, whatever. It's like right. I want yeah, yeah, yeah. my friends to to um, basically be squatting in my orbit until they can like get their until own. Until they're you know problematic, um, eating my leftovers, etc. Right. It's like okay, you got to find yeah, one I mean, for real now. <laughs> exactly, but I think that that, that whole like feature of being able to virtualize an orbit inside another orbit is just like such a unique yeah. thing that is it we kind of don't you know it hasn't been fully explored i think in in this context actually there were some docs written a while back when some of the first hosting providers were being formed about basically saying we have these two directions that you could go into and one of those is like basically yeah pregnant orbit and then you know the other one is like Amazonifying Arvo, yeah. essentially, where like yeah. you don't even run a runtime anymore. Like you run services that represent the like different parts of Arvo, so that you could like you know your ship couldn't even wouldn't even be running necessarily. Like it'd be a function that just gets woken up and <laughs> processes some event and then goes back to you sleep. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just think about those, like, you know, William Gibson, there's like these like entities just live in the wire, the wirehead, mm. uh, the wireheads. But I'm, what I was going to, uh, Master Botech actually, I think was working on, I think it was Armada was yeah. the name of it. The idea of having a hosting platform where everything was virtualized. Um, yeah, that's what I was referencing, is, yeah, which I think. Is, yeah, which is kind of like the extreme pregnant. It's like the uh, octuplet, the John K plus eight style. It's the um, Octomom. <laughs> the Octomom Urban. But I think that's a really... So what's interesting is that, of course, that has, like, huge performance problems, um, potential performance problems, right? Because it's like, if all of your little baby Urbits are all trying to use your yeah. your event loop at the same time, it's like, you're, well, you're fucked. But what's interesting 
is like, I'd be interested to know what that, you know, I mean, we've got new runtime stuff coming out, like a lot. Of, I mean, I just, right, like, what does it feel I like? Just keep revisiting <laughs> that. Yeah. <laughs> to be pregnant with um, the bits. Exactly. Well, I think, you know, another thing that like, I haven't seen anybody else talk about, but like, you know, all these other, you know, I guess, I don't know what to call them, normie P2P solutions, I guess, like <laughs> a lot of, you know, a lot of them, it's kind of the comment model where it's like every device or client, whatever you want to call it, like that boots up is a comment, essentially, they somehow find a way to like sync back together. And, yeah, and that's yeah. something that I think it could get us maybe the best of both worlds, maybe? I don't know. Well, I mean, I think that's another, I mean, it's an interesting question because really the bounded, the finite address space, right, which is what we have, um, comments are just random, yeah. right? But the finite address space which basically starts at, like, I guess, moons, but is kind of baked into all of our networking. And I, I that's the thing I, I talk to actually with the Plunder guys a lot. It's like, can you actually have an Ames that doesn't have a finite address space? Because I think that people, it's funny, like, you know, being an old head, you just have people on the internet that are like, oh, you know, they invented this finite address space just to, like, you know, raise crypto money because it's like there's an economic model. But that's actually not true, right? I mean, it, the finite address space predates any crypto shit whatsoever. And so it's an interesting model. So, so I think if you went to, like, a comets-only model, you'd have to, like, or it could out. be, you know, so it could be moons, to... right? Like if, if we just ignore comets, like if I could start as a moon or have multiple moons that represent me and then somehow like keep those in sync in a way, and then maybe I can merge to some other identity down the line, right? Yeah. The, the, and that would, uh, so, I mean, like basically all of this requires us to have something about the event log where you can like zip them together right or yeah there's like multiple pieces right so it's like you gotta you gotta somehow mesh the state together you have to like make sure that you keep communication in sync because we've adopted this protocol where like you have to have you know everything in sync you know it's like there's this funny old thread i'm gonna bring up more trauma but like (laughs) it's called you know what about the double boot problem Oh yeah, and <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's pages and pages of comments from Ted and a bunch of other people about like, you know, why is this? Why haven't we solved this? Like, you know, what's? <laughs> and it's just like some of those assumptions that we've made have put us in this weird place. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I mean, so, so for everybody listening, the double boot problem is that um, basically an urbit can only run in one place at a time, which is good actually, right? Because it means that you can't, that's how civil resistance works. There can only be one pull deck contact running at any time. And I can log into that from any place, right? So I can use it on my phone. I can use it on my computer, but it's just like the actual process can only be one. And so the, the real question is what happens to one that's running? First of all. Um, so it's like, if you just accidentally boot it twice, like, it used to be where it would just like ruin the boat. Yeah, right. You know? it's like, it was just like, <laughs> so you had no idea another one was running and then you just ruined both your ships. At least that's gotten better, actually. That I think is, you know, now it fails more gracefully. But like, I think that what happened with the move to the, that was a bad enough problem when the PKI was in orbit. And then when it moved to Ethereum, there's like another place to coordinate. And so it's kind of like, you should be able to tell if your ship has been booted already. 
but you actually can't because that that data lives in two different places. And I actually don't know the state of that whole thing. But but I mean that's that's just that's actually a function. Yeah, that is a function of the you know there can only be one yeah thing. But but I think that a lot of people like the civil resistance, so it's kind of like hard to walk that. Path. I think like there's something there where like maybe we could make your other running ones like dependent somehow in in a, in a way that like you know there's like a canonical one and then there's like these other ones that are maybe just copies and whatever but like that would unlock at least a little more flexibility and a little more power that like we don't have today i, I think that the way you want to do that is like if you could if you could imagine i mean and this is something that i think is we're going to get to eventually which is the ability to run a moon in like a browser tab, mm-hmm. right? Or run a moon, like and compile the WASM and just run it in the browser. And then the idea is that those would all be moons. And that would be the relationship to your canonical identity, right. if that makes sense. And so that would actually, the reason I like that is that that would go, get away from this thing where I got to like, remember where my URL is and, and log in and all this shit. It's like, that would It would give you that. Because it would just And then out. like the other powerful thing is like, we're making apps that, are syncing over the network, right? You know, like I do some chats or whatever, like those messages get sent over the network to my Urbit and then get processed and the state updates. And then like, I get something back, right? Which is fine. But like, if you want to do like an experience that people expect in today's day and age, like you need to make everything look on the front end, like it's happening instantaneously. Yeah, and so that yeah. means you have to carry all this baggage of like, how do I smush all this state together, all this data in the same way that the server is going to do it. But if I was running an Urbit in the tab and I just had access yeah, to that just, state, no. I wouldn't need to do any of that, right? Like I could just, the 100%. UI could then be exactly. a function of Urbit state and the code would be the same in both places, which now we're talking like that's really, really powerful and something that, you know, you can't see it right now, but I'm doing that. The Jack, <laughs> the GIF, the, yeah, because I mean, I feel like that's, that's the benefit, right? Is you'd have basically a native like interface yeah. <clears throat> for all of your remote interface, because I mean, you, you, I mean, I don't know these poor people in that are listening, <laughs> if they've had this experience, but, but let me just do a little lesson here. So CRDT means uh command response conflict right? no no not crdt no i'm, I'm thinking about oh, CQRS, CQRS, yeah. right? command yeah, command query response separation and that means basically that i kind of like fling a whole bunch of commands at my computer over a wall and then someone else tells me when they're executed and that's like correct it's actually more correct it's got a not, lot of benefits to it but it makes it hard to make like the kind of interface that you're talking about yep. right like where it's like i i press it i get a spinner and then it's done you know so it's like every time you've seen a spinner a submit button and a spinner and then it completes on an urbit it's like a lot of work went into that because it's hard to it's actually hard to do because you you know that you sent it and you don't know when it's going to be yeah done. like we had um, to build all kinds of like you know harness just to basically do that right which most web stuff it's just request response so you don't you don't need to do that. You're waiting on the request and that's the state of what's happening. Exactly. Exactly. So we have to kind of do that in the side channel, but what's, and that's made worse when you have a remote client, yeah. right? Um, obviously. And so 
if an Urbit was running in your browser, then you would you would have a lot fewer problems like that because you'd know exactly when it was received because you don't have this weird state where it's like, okay, I sent it over the internet. I don't know if the Urbit has processed it yet. It's like we've basically got like four states or something, five states. Yeah, right. Um, as opposed to just the one or two that a, a normal person has. Okay, I have one last question, um, which I think is like going to interest everybody here, which is, would you consider yourself a Peter? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I think I, I would consider you a Peter. <laughs> Although, you know, people might like, you know, argue about what I eat. But anyway, continue. <laughs> yeah. but, but you are, you are a, you are a um, aficionado of the work of, of Dr. Raymond yeah. Pete. And so what's interesting is like you were uh, you were into this well before there were you know, mommy bloggers, uh, uh, doing thyroid, um, uh, TikTok stories. Right. So, um, so what's interesting is that <clears throat> being peeding, um, and Peters seem to be somewhat overrepresented on Urbit, um, I think, or were before, like I said, it, it, it kind of crossed over, but I'm kind of wondering from your perspective, why that is, you know, what is the, what is the allure of, of, of Urbit to this kind of, uh, this kind of, I mindset. think Pete kind of has this somewhat totalizing ideology in the way that Urbit does. Right. And so it's like, if you take upon, you know, like what he's all of, you know, that he's written about, right. You kind of get this completely different view of what is, you know, what's health, what's vitality, what's the correct path. What life right. is really Yeah, important. right. So, like, Urbit is also the same <laughs> in a lot of ways, right? <laughs> like, you so know, true. at least computing-wise or whatever you want to call it. But, like, so in that regard, you know, I think they're very uh, in tune with each other. It's That's kind of, um, you know, like, I, I equate him also with kind of, like, Christopher Alexander. You know, there's, like, a couple other of those types that, like, went very against the grain of what was being said and, you know, had a, yeah. a very holistic view of, you know, the system. They're all like system thinkers, really. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. And so, like, they saw the, you know, how the mechanisms interacted with each other and and how that produced one whole, right? And that's, like, something that is very lost in the current, like, society, basically, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like a whole right. basically is a good way to think. It's funny. I, I mean, you were just saying that, and I, I didn't load you up so that I could give you my take. But it's like I, I do think there's uh, now that you mention it. One interesting thing about Pete, I think, is that he's not above talking about like the politics of science and like the incentives of why people, right? Yeah, like, you know, he, like he kind of is okay talking about either one. He's like, there's no, it's all one thing. Exactly, it's not like it's just the the experimental stuff. It's also like, okay, well, what are the incentives of these doctors that basically were for pharmaceutical companies? And so I think it's kind of interesting that like what you said about, about, you know, your initial attraction to Urbit, it's like, there is this, I, I wouldn't say ideal, I'd say philosophical component to it that it's like, it's just part yeah. of it. It's not like, you know, I think so the holistic thinking, it's like, you can't just be like, Oh, I'm just here about the codes, ma'am. Like, <laughs> no, actually it's all, yeah. It's For all sure. one thing. I think, um, that might be. you know, my, my take on that is like, you know, adopt that philosophy as like your, you know, like your ideal, but then also like balance that with like, yeah, but we have to like make it work 
today. Like there are things that yeah we can like paper over until they're ready, but like we can't make a forever computer if we can't like you know even get to like make it today. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it has to work for people, and I think that's like maybe something that's been a little lost. It just has to be really usable. And, you know, well, I mean, it's like hard because you just have this thing where, I mean, it's hard. I mean, right. Like knowing which compromises to make and for how long, et cetera, and so forth is like, it's just an ongoing struggle session kind of, right. Because like either way you do it, it's like someone's. Oh yeah, for sure. Like (laughs) we're going to have to compromise on decentralized parts in some cases until like, you know, until there's enough people here to like sustain everybody and you know it yeah. sucks but like that's just the world we live in unfortunately yeah you, yeah you know like and, and i think it's funny yeah you just you just see i guess making people not happy if no one's happy that's proof that you're probably doing it right yeah, right <laughs> probably i'll bring up christian murdy because he's a big influence to me but you know like in his mind it's like if you embrace reality as it is like whole you know which is not very easy, obviously. Um, like, there is no question about what needs to be done because, like, it is in front of you. It is the thing that is there, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, to me, that's what we need to embrace. It's like, we live in a place where, like, urban isn't real yet. And, like, people are used to things working a certain way, right? And we just have to make it work like that. And we can fix, you know, whatever technical problems come out of that as we go on. Yeah, well said. I think it's sort of like, if you keep the vision right. alive, you can do that, right? It's like it's like not every compromise is like a defeat. It's just kind of like you gotta as long as you remember what you're trying to do, then it's just a compromise. And that's just like engineering is just compromises, really, yep. right? It's like that's just what engineering is and makes it different from like science or something. They're a theoretical thing. It's like it, it is compromises with the user, with the technology, with all this stuff. I think it's like um there's something about, you know, having worked with a lot of different people who have tried to work at Talon on Urbit in different ways. People have come and gone. It's like having that continuing to keep the vision alive, but also being somewhat detached from particular outcomes. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to have a certain, I think, I mean, you guys tell me if you think this is nonsense, but like, I think it's helpful. And there's a particular type of person who isn't so attached to individual outcomes that they kind of lose the vision you know they like lose hope in the vision it's a certain sensibility in people um and maybe that also kind of addresses why there are so many peters in this world you know because there's like a a a really strong point of view about a way of moving through life but also an ability to detach from stuff so you don't kind of like lose it when you do have to make compromises which we frankly do all the time oh absolutely absolutely yeah, that's a really interesting point. I mean, I think about this sometimes, like what makes this specific thing hard in software is that it's so easy to fool yourself with software mm-hmm. in a way that like building a building, you can't really feel it. Christopher Alexander can have all these ideas, but like he's got to get this building built. If you're a nutritionist, it's like, yeah, whatever, theoretically, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, you know, how are you going to actually, what are you going to yeah. eat? <laughs> you know, it's like almost like, it's like the most kind of grug brain question. And the thing is the problem with software and then the problem with software in kind of a, I don't know, ZERP type environment is like, you can just like dink off in space for so long and indulge in purity spiraling that I think would be hard to do 
in other fields, you know? And so I think it's actually really hard to kind of like stay. It's weird. It's like, I don't know if you ever read like true, true, like height of communist discussions where they're like, you know, Stalinism, where they're like, people are like killing each other over like what kind of dialectical, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> historical material. It's like, it's like that level of thing in software because it's like really is kind of mostly ideas and abstract things. And so it's kind of like, if you don't be careful, you can really drift. Oh, yeah. Space, you know? <laughs> Which all of us on this call, I'm sure, have done in the past, you know? Yeah. It's very easy to lose sight of, like, what you're doing. Why, why you're doing it. You know, <laughs> why you're doing it. Exactly. Um, exactly. Exactly. And, like, when you find yourself in, like, hour three of, like, some sort of type system jihad discussion and people are, it's like, okay. Just, yeah, like. <laughs> this is not productive. <laughs> as I've, like you know, age, I, I just, my appetite for all of that has just declined like tremendously, you know, I'm just like, we just have to do something and like make it better and keep going. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing is like at some point we're like, what we're trying to do, we believe will yield a better experience for like an actual person. Right. Right. And so at some point we just got to like put our balls on the bandsaw at a, you know, to use a, a that's a new one uh, folksy, a folksy saying I might've just made up, but you know, but you gotta like, um, you gotta do it. You know, you can't just be like, Oh, theoretically it'll be better because yeah. I mean, that's as good about UX is like, it either is better or it's not. And people will tell you, yeah. <laughs> it's not like, a, it's not a theoretical question. But like, I don't understand how the fuck this thing works and it doesn't do anything that it told me it was going to do. Like, okay, that's bad. <laughs> Okay, so the one check in the no right. column. <laughs> well, I mean, for everybody listening, you cannot, you can no longer go to repeatforum. Yeah, you need so to go to bio, bioenergetic.forum. Oh, really? Yeah, we need, we need to get a, I, I really wanted to, you know, make an urban uh, peak group, which there is one by uh, NART. But not a lot of people post in it. The the whole repeat community like had a bunch of drama recently. So, but, I mean, which is which is a, a pity because it was like for a long time my example of web like web one kind or not even web one, but just like forum mm -hmm. culture. Like it just was so like weird, and people just said whatever you could find the like, craziest stuff. <laughs> I mean, the craziest shit. It's like I used to. I always tell people this. Like, I remember my first experience with like. Forum culture, one of the first was this thing called Iron Garm. Mm. You remember of Iron Garm? No. It was kind of like a more, it was like more esoteric than body, the bodybuilding.com comments, which were also right. fucking crazy. But like Iron Garm also had this kind of like kettlebell, like tactical prepper okay, yeah. vibe. I can, that I can see it. Yeah, you can imagine just kind of like people who are really into like alternative weird fitness. Like this is like, like maximalist. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, yeah. And this is like, but this is like, you know, like 2005, you know, so this is like way back. And there was this one, <laughs> this one thread and it was about what kind of gun holster to wear while jogging. Oh, no. <laughs> and I swear to God, there was like five comments <laughs> and they locked it. And you're like, wow. that's the kind of, to me, that's like peak forum. You know what I mean? And like, I feel like Ray Pete forum used to have some shit like, yeah, that, yeah, you know, yeah. like some of them were just absolutely insane. So something has been lost. Hopefully someone can like pirate the, the, they did. I, as far as I know, like people, um, a bunch of people like scraped the site and have, there's like a 12 gigabyte file. I think you can get somewhere. Oh, okay. Yeah. To like search it and stuff. 
Okay. Uh, at bitch femcell says that uh, peeing is retarded. So I don't know. You, don't have to... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I respect your freedom yeah. to say that. Uh, at bitch femcell, I, I do respect that. <laughs> okay. Very nice. Very good. Hunter, this has been super. Yeah, fun. I had a lot of fun. Uh, it was great. We didn't even talk about UI, um, but that's great. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I mean, you know, whatever. We just get to what we get to, you know, uh, and that's that. That is more fun. All right. Well, thanks for showing up, everybody. Um, Hunter is, uh, yeah, he's he's always got. I mean, he he actually is a quite a prolific uh, esoteric uh, poster, both on Urbit, I think, and on Twitter as well. So we didn't get into that stuff, but you know, check him out for that. He's a great developer, good guy. Uh, Roslet. Uh, you have any closing closing remarks? You have a closing monologue? Um, no monologue today. I think we should definitely have Hunter back so that we can get really freaky. He is a true freak. <laughs> <laughs> All right. One of the true freaks. Absolutely. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> uh, that's funny. All right. Thank you all. <laughs> I'll talk to you. Bye. Talk Thanks, to you guys Hunter. Later. See ya. Bye.